have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, all right? Um, so typically, if you're new with us, this is what we typically do here at the Parks Church. We preach through books of the Bible, and we have been in a very long study through the entire book of Hebrews, and uh, we're making our way through Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, but this morning on Mother's Day, uh, we do want to stop down and pause and, uh, and, and look at the Word of God in, in, in honor, honor mothers, honor uh, motherhood. I think about uh, he, Romans chapter 12, I believe it's verse 10, that says, outdo one another in showing honor. Um, and so we want to do that this morning on Mother's Day. We want, we want to honor specifically uh, the, the women in this church and, and the role of, of mothering and motherhood. And while you're turning there, if you got to, listen, 2 Timothy is one of those hard books to kind of find. Uh, uh, if you know where Hebrews is, you should after us teaching through it for like 14 months, all right? So find Hebrews. It's two books to your left, all right? Uh, we're going to be in two places here, chapter 1 and chapter 3. Um, and we've stopped over the last couple of years and stopped down and preached particularly uh, 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 to uh, mothers and, and moms on Mother's Day for, for a couple of reasons, uh, like I've already shared about, about honor. But also there's kind of this legend that floats around the Parks Church. If you've been here for any amount of time, we used to just uh, early on in the Parks Church, we were like, hey, whatever text falls on, on Mother's Day, Father's Day, uh, we'll just roll with it. We're just going with it, right? Um, until we were preaching through the book of Matthew and we landed on hell on Mother's Day. And we rolled with it. Bad decision, right? And so we kind of, as elders, just kind of like, it, it's okay. Like, you know, especially as a church that 90% of the time, 95% of the time, we're expository preaching. And listen, I'm going to exposit these texts today. It's okay. Hear me. Like, shake some of the bondage off, okay? Like, it's okay for us to stop down and to get out of kind of our rhythm of normalcy. And we'll be back in it, right, next week in Hebrews and go, okay, Lord, how do you speak? How do you want to speak specifically uh, on this day. And so uh, I, I want through the word of God to speak to those of you, obviously, who are mothers. Okay. Those of you who, who plan on being moms and those of you who have moms. Okay. Did that cover everyone? I think so. Um, and while this day conjures up good feelings for many, uh, for others, uh, it doesn't. And, and, and we want to acknowledge that. There are those of you waiting on motherhood for one reason or another, or if you if, if experienced a loss of a child, this is this is a hard day. Or, or maybe you're reminded of the mom you didn't have, uh, or, or the one you you probably wouldn't uh, celebrate on this day. And so for some, I know this day is harder to bear than for others. And I, I want to acknowledge that. And I hope that the Holy Spirit uses today and uses the Word of God to minister to you uh, right where you are. And, and He knows that. The Holy Spirit knows right where you are. Um, but motherhood, the role of mothering. Um, both in the literal sense and in what so many of you do in, in our church, at the Parks Church, spiritual mothering, is something that we should celebrate. This is a, a unique, distinct, and specific gift given to you as a woman by God. And so we're told to honor, right? It's part of the, the Big Ten, right? The Ten Commandments, number five, right? Honor mothers and fathers. The children, Psalm 127, are a gift from God, and so we want to honor Jesus today by looking at His Word and, and honor you through that. And I want to look at two women that the Bible speaks about, particularly in the content, meaning that the volume to which they're spoken about is very little, but the ramifications of these women's lives, um, you'll see, are incredible. And so, stand with me in the honor of reading God's Word. Second Timothy. Chapter 1 will be in verses 4 and 5, and then we'll flip a page over. 
As I remember your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. This is Paul speaking to Timothy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And now I am sure dwells in you as well. Okay, now flip a page over to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 and 15 say this. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So let's start with Timothy. His name is carried by two books in our Bible. Right? First Timothy, and then the one we just read from Second Timothy. He's a church leader. He's a church planter. He pastored uh, the church in Ephesus. He was an early church leader and father. He worked closely with the, the, the gentleman who's writing these letters to him, the Apostle Paul. But what I want to draw back on is where did it all start or begin for Timothy? Right? That resume is pretty incredible, right? And it, most people would look at Timothy, understand Timothy historically, and see that he is a central figure in the early church. But there was a beginning. There was a start. There was a cultivation for Timothy's life. And, and what Paul does in this second letter to Timothy is he points to his family history. And within his family history, notice who's missing. Timothy's dad. And scholars tell us that Timothy's dad... Uh, without question, was a Greek man. So Timothy's mother, Eunice, was, was Jewish. She was a Jew, and Timothy's father was Greek. Now, there are a couple options here because it is pretty silent on Timothy's dad, but most scholars agree that Timothy's father was not a believer. He, did, he was not a, a God-fearing man like Eunice was. was. But, but instead, Timothy's father, if he had any role in his life, right, was, was, was divergent or, or, or would go the opposite direction of Eunice. There's another thought that, that potentially why Paul uh, brought Timothy so close as uh, a son, and he uses that language about Timothy over and over again, is because Timothy's dad passed away early on. And so there was actually no father figure in Timothy's household. But there were two other figures in Timothy's life, weren't there? The two figures that, that, that Paul so eloquently points out very, very briefly, but very powerfully in Timothy's life. And that is his grandmother, Lois, and his mother, Eunice. And what I want to see from, from these two women is how they influenced Timothy towards Jesus. It wasn't just, you know, haphazard. It wasn't thoughtlessly. It was very intentionally. And if you paid attention to the text that I just read, you picked up on how. But the first thing I want to key in on is that it tells us something about their faith. Okay, kind of back to Hebrews 11, right? We've been studying faith. We're going to be in Hebrews 11 two more weeks, right? Some of you have been asking. Two more weeks, we're going to be in Hebrews 11. But there's something in in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, I want us to key on as we walk through this text. And we see, okay, what was the foundation laid for Timothy? Paul says this in verse 5 of 2 Timothy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, right? A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother and your mother. Now, Paul, 
inspired by the Holy Spirit, as all scripture is, did not have to add that qualifier before faith. When he talked about Timothy's faith, what did he say about it? He described it. He described it as sincere. Okay? And he goes, but Timothy, that sincere faith didn't just start when you started following me. The, you know, the big capital A apostle Paul, right? No, that sincere faith was first rooted in who? That's right. Lois and Eunice. And so the, the, the foundation of where I want to go this morning is understanding a sincere faith. That what was told and demonstrated to Timothy was sincere. And that word sincere in the original language in the Greek is a word that means without hypocrisy. Some of you, maybe in your translations, it's, it's the word genuine. That's still a little bit of a, of a weak word. I like the way one um, uh, commentary described it. He, he described it as this undisguised faith. That what was very apparent for Timothy with his grandmother and with his mother was this. That their faith in God, their faith in Yahweh, right, was real. It was undisguised. It was without hypocrisy. So if I asked you this question, mom, mothers, what is your primary responsibility? What's your primary responsibility? My thought would be many of you would say, well, my primary responsibility is to uh, raise my kids uh, to know and love Jesus. No, at least per Jesus, your primary responsibility is to love the Lord God with all your mind with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. That is where a sincere faith flows from. Mom, you have to understand that you have more influence than you can ever imagine in your life toward Christ, toward your children, and toward others. I mean, think about this. How many of you were introduced to Jesus, or the first time you heard the gospel was through a grandmother, a mother, right? Maybe as a, a woman who taught yourself. How, how many of you, that, that was the first place. My, my hand's up because that, that, that's for me, yeah. I bet if we polled this room, it would be nearly over 50% of this room would say that, yes, that, that's the boat I'm in. Listen, um, most likely, if my kids, when my kids find themselves in a community and a pastor or someone asks them that question, my kids will raise their hands to that because it's their mom. It's Tessa, the one that they're spending the most amount of time just numerically with. She is the one who has introduced them first to Christ and is cultivating the soil in their hearts. But what she is displaying is not that that's her primary role. What Tessa, my wife, is displaying to my three children is this. She is displaying what is most true about her. And what is most true about Tessa, and what is most true about you, mom, or those of you mothering, is this, that you love Jesus more than anything else in the world. That is where a sincere faith comes from. That's where this undisguised faith that was seen in Lois and Eunice by Timothy and and then was passed on to him, that sincerity was seen in them because they loved God above all else. They knew that was their job. And so my prayer is that moms, wherever you find yourself, whether you're a spiritual mother in this church or you're 
mothering children in your home, that you would leverage the influence that you have for the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he would fan the flame of love for him in your life today. But a sincere faith doesn't just stop there. A sincere faith didn't stop there for Lois and Eunice, did it? It was like, well, this is just true of us. This is true of us. No, they understood that they also had a responsibility that flowed from it. And that responsibility was what? Well, Paul tells us in in the second part of this reading. He goes in verse 14. This is of chapter 3. Let's look at the text. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it. Who Timothy learned from? Yeah, right. You're tracking now. Those in his life from the earliest age, Lois and Eunice. You say, well, also Paul. Of course, also Paul. But Paul was not there, right? When he was a three-year-old kid, when he was an eight-year-old, when he was a punk middle schooler, right? Okay. Who was Lois and Eunice raising him up? How do you know that, Kyle? Because it says it. Look at it in the text knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings. Okay, now we're getting to the content. Now we're getting to what Lois and Eunice were pointing to, which are able to make wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All right, so a sincere faith understands that that's rooted in loving God with all that you are, but a sincere faith also instructs. That's what 2 Timothy 3 is telling us, right? Words like learned and knowing. You learned it from childhood. They were teaching him the Hebrew scriptures. They were teaching Timothy uh, our Old Testament, the Torah, right? The first five books of our Bible. Like what, what's the content of that? What is, what is the, the bulk of that message that, that these two women would have been teaching to Timothy? What's the bulk? You want to kind of know a nutshell, right? You can go to the Shema. Deuteronomy 6. Without question, this would have been content that young Timothy would have known. What is it? Let's read it. Here's what they would have been teaching young Timothy. Right? Their sincere faith leading them to instruction of Timothy. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The first thing I love about the content, and this would have been every, every, every Jewish child, right, right where there was a sincere faith in Yahweh, would have learned this. It starts with good theology. It start right, and theology is not just for the eggheads to be like, oh, that no, Kyle. Theology is for you. No, theology is for all of us, Mom. Theology is good. Theology is for you, right? To build upon your sincere faith with good thoughts of God. And the first thing is this: the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's one. He's true. He is the the one true God. And then it goes on. It says, "You shall love the Lord your God." Here we go. With all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. The foundation, the sincerity of your faith is rooted in that. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Listen, the instruction must first be written on your heart, mom. On your heart, dad. On your heart, spiritual parent, right? A person here pouring into kids, right? It must be written on your heart. I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. And now instruction flows from this. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. I love that. What, what, what's the author saying there? With every movement, with every motion, with everything that you do, your sum total of your life is devoted, right, to what? Instructing in the way that has captured your heart. 
And he's like, if that doesn't work, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as a frontlets between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates, right? In other words, it's everywhere. The word of God, the promises of God, who God is, is everywhere. It's flowing out of you. It's outside of you. It's coming off of your lips. It's being lived through your feet, right? It's instructive. From the very beginning of Timothy's life, he was being poured into the word of God. And what flows from that, Paul says, is wisdom. And what flows from that ultimately for Lois and Eunice and Timothy is salvation in Christ Jesus. That the the, the Hebrew scriptures, the Torah, was pointing toward a Messiah. And listen, listen, this didn't just happen for Timothy. Intentionally. Eunice and Lois prepared Timothy's little heart to accept Christ by teaching him the Old Testament scriptures, by preparing him from childhood to recognize the Messiah when he appeared. How did the Messiah appear to Timothy? So we say, well, in in Paul's preaching. No, back up. It first appeared with his grandmother and his mother. So that, right, when some sweaty preacher like me walks up like Paul, right? And and starts preaching Christ. Timothy's heart has been quickened to go, oh, I know of him. I've heard of him. I know this is the one that our lives are pointing to. He is the Messiah. He's the one. Listen, that cultivation, that, that tilling of the soil came in Lois and Eunice and gave way to salvation through Christ in Timothy's life that changed the trajectory of his life forever. Influence? Yeah, just, just a little. But a sincere faith. Um, and this thing here in, in 2 Timothy is that it's not just verbal instruction. It's not verbal instruction only. Oh, yes, that is necessary. But a sincere faith is also one that models. And this is so important in our day and age, right? For Timothy he observed that the instruction by his grandmother and mother wasn't some disconnected set of rules and regulations. It wasn't some distant instruction, but it was something embodied and modeled by his mother and his grandmother. I've said this before, that unmodeled instruction will lead to confusion at minimum and most likely rejection in our kids. And have you ever been there? Right? Like what we want, what we long for is a sincere faith, right? One that's undisguised, one that's, that, that, that's not full of hypocrisy, right? Where instruction coming out of the mouth is one thing, but yet what we're modeling is something totally different. Right? I, I, I saw this in my life, and I, I've shared this that with, my own, with my own mother. Um, right? I can remember vividly the moment of, of coming to salvation, asking her about the gospel, asking her about sin, in, the, in a green wingback chair in, in their bedroom, like my mom leading me to faith in Jesus Christ, right? But it wasn't enough for, to her, for her to just give me the information. She gave me the right information of the gospel. But she continued to model for me and for my family. She was the lead modeler, by the way. She was the one leading for my family. How we, we, we participate in a community like a church, right? She was the one calling us into Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and Wednesday nights and the occasional revivals that would go Monday through Sunday nights, okay? Like all, all of it, right? But also when we were outside of the church, right? The four walls of the church. Her humility, her grace, her repentance, right? Because she wasn't perfect. That she modeled for me when she messed up. 
and where she turned first. And it wasn't to the kids. It was to Jesus. You see, now I know even when I talk like this, potentially there are some of you in this room who go, I, I, I've gone too long. I, I, I wish I would have been more like Lois or Eunice. I've gone too long without modeling the gospel. Maybe there's a little remorse. You know, like maybe even you're sitting by your, 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 your grown children in this very room. Maybe for you, the gospel and, and faith in Jesus weren't talked about in your home and now your kids are grown. Or maybe you, you came to saving faith later in life and your kids saw a life where you weren't following Jesus. What do you do? Kyle, this is all good in theory if you catch them, you know, upstream, downstream, one of the streams, right? What do you tell your kids? The truth. You, you tell them the truth, that Jesus has changed me. He saved me. You tell them your testimony, your story of, of, of from death to life, what we just sang about. The reality is Jesus doesn't just save seven-year-olds. He saves 37-year-olds and 57-year-olds and 87-year-olds, and it's all his grace. And Jesus redeems our lives, and when he redeems our lives, he changes everything. And that's your testimony. Praise be to God, right? I think one of the most powerful ways our children, young or old, see the power of the gospel modeled by us is by seeing the power of the gospel, not just for a moment of salvation, but the same gospel changing us in our lives right here and right now. And like kids, we as parents have sins to repent of and change that needs to be worked out by the Holy Spirit. Right, kids? If you're in here and you're listening, you need to know that. Your parents, we need the grace of Jesus, right? We need his grace and his mercy to wash over. So parents, how about this? Moms, dads, that we lead our kids, we model being the lead repenters in our homes. The ones who come first before the throne of grace to be captured by it and forgiven by it. You see, you can be the first one to confess your inadequacies or the moments where our lives are incongruous with the heart of Jesus and word of God because we know his word that instruction that we hold to is true. What would a community of faith look like where there are moms leading the way in that? Where there are dads leading the way in that? How beautiful would that community be? Some of you, um, some of you go, I, I wish I had a mother, um, Kyle, like, like yours or, or one that maybe I've observed around me in my life, one that pointed me to Christ. Um, and here's what I want you to hear me say today. Um, that you're the start. You're the first generation of that for your kids. You're the beginning of that gospel ripple effect that is going to reverberate, reverberate for generations to come. Where you look downstream, right? Downstream and you see little Timothy or, 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 or Susie, right? And you see the gospel effect that started in you. I love that, 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 that Mother's Day prayer, right? Three generations. There was a start to that ripple effect, right? There was someone who the gospel took root in their lives and they began to instruct and model before their kids, right? That began to be passed down moment in generation after generation. That's starting with you. That's starting with you. And I want to end with, with this uh, point. And maybe the most difficult point about sincere faith. 
And I hope you've even picked this up as we've walked through Hebrews 11, right? The hall of faith. Is that a sincere faith trusts. It trusts Jesus. The best gospel modeling of sincere faith is not a perfect mom. And not only a mom who knows she's not perfect. Those aren't the best examples. But instead, a mom who trusts every day in the one who has come to be perfect for her. And that is Christ. That is sincere faith. A faith that trusts in Jesus above all else. Listen, Timothy wasn't perfect. I think oftentimes we, 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 we as parents, um, we, we do this, right? Like we, we judge kind of uh, our, our faithfulness or, or our whatever success is or if we're good parents or bad parents based upon our kids. You ever made that mistake, right? And then you go to the grocery store and you're like, oh, I am a really bad parent. Um, that's for me, right? Timothy wasn't perfect, right? That resume that I read up front, right? Church leader, pastor of Ephesus, right? Church planter, right? Mentored and discipled by Paul, pretty good resume. There are moments where you will look in First and Second Timothy and Paul will have to specifically warn and strike kind of down Timothy. Hey, you have this tendency. You have this proclivity. Do you think that just started when he started following Paul? No, Lois is like, I knew that. Eunice is like, I birthed him. I know his tendency, right? And Paul's like, why don't we fix it? You know, like, no, he's not a perfect child, right? So Lois and Eunice, right? They, they probably struggled like all of us struggle, but there is no way that they rooted, right? They rooted the, the, the faithfulness of God in their uh, parenting technique or outcome. Why? Because here's what a sincere faith does. It trusts God with the outcome. It trusts, it literally lays. I said this last week that, that, that my mentor, he said, listen, Kyle, I had my first child, um, not, almost nine years ago. And he goes, Kyle, now you will spend 18 years of your life trying to figure out how to let her go. In other words, trying to figure out how to trust Jesus with her. But what I've noticed over nine years is not that I'm figuring out how to let her go. What happened? I put a tighter grip. A sincere faith trusts Jesus above all else. That the impact on your children for the gospel is going to be far more impactful in how you trust the gospel in your failures than how you learn to lean into yourself in your successes, because that's what we do. You see, when you blow it and you lean into Jesus, when that happens, that's leading, Mom. That's leading from the place of sincere faith. See, our, our kids don't expect, don't need perfect parents. In society, in culture, they will lay that on you in every form, in every fashion, social media. In other words, even the messes on social media look beautiful, right? They look perfect. It doesn't exist. They need imperfect people, imperfect mothers, trusting wholeheartedly in perfect Jesus. So I want to leave you with this. Trust that Jesus is the one who saves. He's the one who has saved you. And he's the one who saves our kids, not you. That the instruction and the modeling, here's what it is. It's laying kindling before the Lord that he might ignite it with the fire of his Holy Spirit. Trust that Jesus is far ahead of you while simultaneously right with you. Right, like Jesus is not in one place. Like he's not ahead of you going, hey, catch. No, no, he's with you. And he's ahead of you. He's also behind you, reinforcing and strengthening you. He sees what's ahead. 
He sees what's ahead for you in your heart and your life and also for your kids. Trust that Jesus loves your kids more than you do. And that's whether you have small little infants that I hear cooing and awing right now or you have grown adult children who have left your house. Jesus loves them more than you do. Trust that. And trust this one, that you have an eternally deeper identity than mom. Your role as a mother flows from your supreme identity as a daughter, a daughter that is perfectly received and accepted by God, that in Christ right now, good days, bad days, ups, down, you are fully accepted and approved by him. So keep loving. Keep loving Jesus. Keep loving your families. Keep loving this church. Keep instructing. Keep instructing them and us. Keep modeling. Ladies, keep modeling for us what it looks like to love Jesus with all that you are and keep pointing us in your hearts toward him. And so here's how I want to end. I want to end with the most incredible thing we could do for you, and that's pray. So I want every woman in here to stand up. I'm not going to make this weird, all right? And at the end of it, we're all going to have cookies, okay? So you'll enjoy this. Every woman in here. Because I want to honor you specifically. The word of God highlights these two women specifically because the spirit wants to give honor where honor is due. And where honor is due this morning, particularly through the word of God, is right here with each and every woman on their feet. This church is so blessed with so many incredibly strong and and, and grace-filled, patient, loving women. Look around. People who are are spiritual mothers, people who are actual literal mothers, pouring into our little ones, and not just our little ones, but all of us, including those who are, I would be seated if I were out there, who are seated, the men of this church. This is a beautiful body because God has gifted us with so many incredible women who love Jesus with all that they are. And so I want to pray for you. And if you're, if you're a guy seated this morning, pray with me, okay? Father, God, I thank you for the gift um, that is represented in this service of these women who are standing on their feet from the youngest to the oldest. Lord, I pray that you would fan the flame of your Holy Spirit in their lives. God, that you, you specifically know the areas where they need to be strengthened, where they need to feel your, your, your unique and profound love this morning, and I pray that that would happen. I pray that, that, that Lois and Eunice would be a, a, God, a, an example, a picture, a model for us to see Jesus more clearly, for these women to see their function and their role, God, in such a powerful and influential way in, in the entire life of this church all the way down to the children in their households. And so, Lord, I pray that you would continue to help us steward lives of women and, 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 and the gifting of women in this church better than we do. God, I pray that you would be clearly seen and powerfully seen in the Parks Church through this group that's standing. Lord, may we not just instruct and model, but may we love you well, deeply, for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen.